Everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for me. And nobody ever joins me in the harmony. Not once. But you got to introduce them first of all. Now I'm going to take you on a journey. I'm going to take you on a journey. We're going up the hills. The rain is beating against us, almost making our heads bleed. We wish we had worn a hat. We're entering a cave. And there, in the walls of the cave, are inscriptions. Inscriptions which are telling us maybe how to do things right, maybe how to do things wrong. Maybe sending us down misdirections. It's all about interpretation, whether it be the right interpretation or be the wrong interpretation. Whichever way you're looking at it, you know you've entered someplace special. You've entered a place where things are not quite what they seem. You have entered the dragon's tomb. So joining me, to talk about this wonderful tomb of misinformation, misdirection and misinterpretation or interpretation, it's up to you. I've got Jeffrey Kornberg. Hello, Jeffrey. Hey, thanks for having me on. And I, I just want to say, I would have gladly harmonized with you, but it's weird to, to join in before I've been introduced. <laughs> I feel like it would have been confusing. Like, what this? who's this other voice? I think, um, I think um, we want to keep people on our toes in this kind of time and I think while people want kind of familiarity and everything like that I also expect that sometimes they want something to just slightly throw them kind of slightly left of field <laughs> and then maybe some of them would have slightly went what he can harmonize with himself now he's gone back and re-recorded that track and he's done it in such a different American accent as well <laughs> so there you go um I guess the the first the most important question the first question is, how are you doing? Are you well, sir? I'm doing well. Um, right as everything, I'm in New York City. So I'm at the epicenter here in the U.S. where wow. COVID is taking over. Uh, I ended up actually moved apartments on, May, uh, on March 20th. So right as everything was ramping up, <laughs> right as it was peaking, is I had to get movers and move places. So it was hectic, um, but... Now that everything's settled, I've been working from home for since since then, um, and I'm doing well. Everyone, everyone, uh, everyone with me here. I live with my wife; she's doing well, and can't complain. Uh, other than the things that everyone in the world can complain about with us, I think there's kind of like it's almost like there's a, a kind of a collective reason for everybody to complain with everybody kind of being <laughs> stuck indoors. But that is, you know, that's one of that's kind of one of those things. Um, you know, looking back, when you're going to be writing your memoirs about what happened during COVID, I mean, that's a pretty good scene, kind of scene setter. I had to move. Mm-hmm. I had to 
avoid people touching me, kind of yeah. getting close to me while moving at this. Was that kind of like, oh, damn it? Because I'm guessing that that kind of, that would have been planned like a couple of months previous, <laughs> before. And then when you got to the day, was it like a case of, did you have to go? Was the kind of the, was the lease up on the previous place? So you couldn't stay in your apartment. You actually needed to move. So we actually, we, we were renting. We bought our first place. Wow. And so we were just wait for months. We were waiting for the close. We were ready to move in December and in January. And we were just, just the process takes forever. We moved into a building that's a co-op. I don't know if, if you have that where you are. But right. basically this, there's a whole board of people that had to approve us moving into this building <laughs> and buying the unit. We had to like go sit down for an interview with people who have lived here for 20 years. You're joking um, me. So it's a whole big process and we wanted to go as fast as possible. Um, but yeah, like when we closed on the place, everyone was washing their hands as they passed documents. Like we stayed, we were in a conference That's room, ridiculous. everyone in different corners. Um yeah. So yeah, quite, so was quite it, a story. <laughs> was it like an America's Got Talent kind of audition? Was it was it kind of like right? Okay, I want three reasons why you wanna why you wanna buy this place. Why we're gonna let you into the building, and we also want you to compose a small sea shanty <laughs> on this accordion at the same time. And you're looking across to your wife, and you're going. Damn it! I practice flute. I practice flute. I don't know. Just hand me the accordion over. I'll see what I can I'll see if I can squeeze a tune out of this thing. It was probably more casual than America's Got yeah. Talent. They didn't. They didn't like you. Want us to just seem as normal and boring as possible? You don't want them to think that you are <laughs> are fun, and you don't want them to think you throw parties. You just want them to be like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be in my apartment, not making any noise, and everyone's going to love me. Um, so, like, even. My my YouTube channel. I didn't want to reveal. Like I, we had to get letters of recommend. Each of each of us had to get four letters of recommendation. Two from work, two from friends, and like I had friends writing like, "Oh, he started a YouTube comedy channel," and I was like, "Take that out. I don't want them to think like I'm some <laughs> just com- some like comedy guy like going to be filming videos all the time. Like I just want them to think I'm just like a boring guy so that they approve me and let me move in." <laughs> You could just imagine all it would have taken would have been like one serious board gamer on that panel. And they'd be like that, Barbara, I looked at his videos. He can't even get the rules right. Can yeah. we now watch them? <laughs> <laughs> Look what the boy's doing with Catan. We had a Catan 40 years, Barbara. And then that would have been it. But yeah. to, to, to establish, YouTube- for, 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 those, for those listeners who don't know, my, my, I, my channel, The Dragon Steam, this is very confusing <laughs> they're unaware yeah, it's very confusing um, but they'll catch up it's fine okay <laughs> um but yeah if, if, if you are unaware i run a channel called the dragon's tomb which is a parody comedic board game channel where for the bulk of my stuff i take real existing games and i make how to play videos but instead of teaching the real rules i make up my own ridiculous rules using all of their pieces and components uh and then i present it in a very deadpan, serious way. So someone may accidentally click on my video and about 30 seconds in realize <laughs> these can't be the real rules. <laughs> um, I'm hoping my, my, aim, my aim is to never trick somebody. I don't want someone to walk away thinking it was the real thing. I feel like if that happens, then I'm not doing my job. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I think you can. Just... I think you improve them. I think you kind of improve them in this way. 
going back, let's set the way back. Let's like Doc Brown's turned up, and he's saying, "Let's get back in the DeLorean." And you're going back to when you were born in 1955, which mm-hmm. that's not true. That's a lie. <laughs> but when you were a younger Jeffrey, potentially without the beard, were you always like a creative chap? Were you always kind of like, were you, was comedy always something that you found just easy to do? Were you always a little bit of a japester, a little bit of a... A kind of a joker and stuff like that. I, I, I always gravitated towards comedy. My favorite movies were always comedy. I wasn't like creating my own comedy when I was younger. <laughs> I probably got into that in in high school. I started doing improv comedy. My high school luckily had an improv group. So that was oh, right. my first real foray into that. So I, I joined improv. Then I started doing musical comedy. I had a friend who was, was doing that. Stephen Lynch was a huge comedian at that time when I was <laughs> in high school. Uh, and so me and I had two very close friends in high school that all would write our own comedy songs. And that was my first big, uh, intro to that world was, was improv and musical comedy. Um, but I, growing up, I wanted to be a cartoonist. Like I wanted to make cartoons for Nickelodeon. So I always wanted to do something with entertainment. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you, did you, did you kind of follow that in a, a kind of an academic kind of career then? Did you go into study that? Did you go into college and... And study that to kind of get your qualifications and stuff like that. Then. So I went to co- I went I went to Penn State University for college originally for advertising. I thought I wanted to. I did one semester of studying advertising, and then immediately was like, "This is not what I want want to be doing." So I got yeah. an I got an English degree, thinking, "Hey, maybe I'll wow. write. Maybe I'll write for television." Okay, English degree. Uh-huh. In, in, I majored in English. I got a a theater minor, which just meant I took four theater classes. <laughs> um, <laughs> But so I yeah I thought maybe I wanted to to get into television writing. I actually I fit, mm-hmm. there, were, there was Penn State uh, had six hundred clubs when I went there, but they did not have an improv troupe. So I actually founded the official improv troupe of Penn State University, which is still running really? today. It's incredible going back there now and being like, it's the club is way bigger now than when I started it. So it's just it's really cool to just see that it's still going. Um, but yes, yeah, so did have you? Did they have a picture of you on the wall? No, because we don't. We don't we, no, he no, did it. <laughs> the, I mean, on the website it says, but the, like the room that that we do improv in belongs to the theater department that does much bigger shows than our improv shows. So there's, we, we sort of just even bar, a, bar their space. It's not even like a plaque. No plaque. I don't think or so. I mean, I post-it probably, note. I should get in touch with them, tell them to like no. find a, a janitor closet to hang it in or something. <laughs> Just like a picture of you with your thumbs yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> can I go in? Could I go in? Yeah. I'm ready. So <laughs> you, you had your you had your English qualification behind you with your theatre mm. minor. <laughs> yes. Wait, I didn't. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. I'm still, I mean, it's always fun to learn about the Amer- American education system at any point. Yeah. So did you get into a job job, a normal job job? Or where did you where did you go from there? So, yeah, after, co- well, while I was in college, I got lucky enough to get an internship at Comedy Central, their uh, talent and records department. So in between my junior, senior year of college, I was working mm-hmm. in New York City for Comedy Central, 
Um, and that department handled all the stand-up shows, so I got to help record like stand-up comedy albums as an intern. Wow. Um, Daniel Tosh was someone that they knew they wanted to have a big TV show for, so I was in like the initial brainstorm sessions before Tosh.0 became one of the channel's biggest shows. Um, wow. So I did that for a summer, and then from that, after college, I was able to get my first real TV job as a show. Actually, a, a British presenter called a show called It's On with Alexa Chung, and it was basically a live show that replaced uh, Total Request Live on MTV. It was just like a like a standard talk show, like a Fallon or a David Letterman, something like that, aimed at millennials. And so I was a, the host, Alexa Chung's personal assistant. So I was getting her lunch. I was her alarm clock. I would call her in the morning to wake her up. Uh, but it was still working on a live TV show f- four or five days a week. Um, and from that, that was my first real job after college. And I could see, and my, my, my goal at that time was become a television writer. And all the writers for that TV show were comedians that I had heard of, like it, people I've seen on stage doing stand-up or improv that I heard of. And the stuff they were writing for this show were complete garbage. And I was like, these people are way funnier than I am. And here they are being forced to write like Miley Cyrus jokes that are not good. And so immediately I was like, man, what are the chances that I'm going to get to write on something that I'm going to be proud of professionally? And so while I was thinking that, I saw the producers on the show. And I was like, man, the producers seem to be doing all the fun stuff like and delegating like they come up with a fun thing and then they just tell the writers to write it and they they yeah, just yeah, like cut, yeah. they do the so I I immediately shifted towards producing and yeah that's that's where I went from there I I went from a production assistant on that show to an associate producer to a segment producer to a full-blown producer this is working throughout TV and the internet I worked at a music network called Fuse helping start their YouTube channel um and now I'm a producer at Condé Nast, where I, I do videos for Vanity Fair, Wired, Bon Appetit, New Yorker, all, all of all of their magazines. I have YouTube channels, and I'm doing videos for, for all of them. So for people who don't know what a producer does, because sure. folk go, ah, direct, because people go, oh, yeah, and, and, and directing this film uh-huh. is, you know, you know, Taito Waikiti and everyone goes yay or directing this film is Brian Singer everybody goes oh well okay Mm. but the producer side of things you kind of make everything happen don't you I mean do you do you kind of make sure everything kind of comes together and gets into place so the director can then go and do what they are meant to do totally yeah that's that's pretty much exactly and it's a lot of I, I guess I've been lucky that I've had a lot of jobs where the director collaborates with the producer so i've gotten to be creatively involved in addition to Mm -hmm. just making making a budget and making sure everyone who is hired is hired and making sure we have food and lunch and that everyone is working not not working into overtime um Mm -hmm. but then it's also okay thinking about logistically okay here's this thing we're making does the director have everything that they need um is what they're thinking Correct. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, is there a way we can we can make things more efficient or make this the structure of the video better? 
Um, I, I, most of my jobs, I've been representing a brand or, or the voice of a company. So it's a lot of, oh, I'm working with it. A lot of times the director is someone freelance and you got to make mm-hmm. sure what they want to do is in line with the voice of the company that's being represented. So that's, yeah, that's how, how it goes for a lot of it. Is, is that what's led you to kind of do what you do then on a creative level? Because it sounds to me like if you... From a producer point of view, if you said, okay, we're going to be doing this this Vanity Fair kind of shoot, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to take things in a different direction. I'm sure that you've got brand guidance, you've got image guys consulting, you've got guys talking about you can't use these colours, these colours and these colours. We'd prefer it if you use this person, you know, for the video or this is the style. So is that why, is that why within a kind of a, a kind of a, almost like a fenced-off control in terms of how brands and things are represented. Is that what maybe decided to make you go, well, I maybe want to do something completely kind of different, a little bit more gonzo, a little bit more... <laughs> not Muppet kind of gone, you know, hey, hey what you talking about? Um, but, <laughs> but made you kind of go, well, I'm actually going to do something that's a bit off the wall. But Kids in the Hall? <laughs> do you remember Kids in the Hall? I haven't seen much of them, but I know of I, I know of the show. Great Canadian, great Canadian mm-hmm. comedian. The, the guy that did "I'm Crushing Your Head." Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've seen, yeah. yeah, I've seen that. But, yeah, yeah, everyone's seen that. But <laughs> is that what kind of made you kind of like in your own time then start to do kind of things that were a bit off the wall, a bit out of control? You know. So surprisingly, no. Like for for working at a company with these magazines that have been around for for decades and decades, I am constantly Mm -hmm. surprised how much creative control they give to me and my team. Like I'll make something and then I I won't even show it to the magazine until the video is basically almost done. And yeah, we're consulting (laughs) with them beforehand, making sure they're on board with the content. But I'm constantly surprised how many weird ideas they let us do. Uh, so I'm, I'm like creatively fulfilled at at work, but still it is like, I'm I'm just, I, I feel like a naturally, creative person i think of, i always like to think about in 30 years what am i going to look back on and be like ah, i wish i did that so yeah so even before i had this job now it was the, i had the idea for dragon's tomb two, two years before i ended up starting it thinking like ah that'd be like just in my head imagining a whole youtube channel filled with all those fake videos just made mm-hmm. me laugh and i thought it was was funny um and i and that was at a time when I was, this is before I was at Condé Nast even, when I thought of it, and I was just like, what's, I was actively thinking, like, what's like a, this is when everyone was starting web series, and I was like, what's like a web series that I could just film in my own home? Like, I'm busy, and I don't have, like, a, a budget. What can I just do on my own? And that's sort of, like, the th- thing that, like, man, nobody's doing anything like that, and that just made me laugh so much and i don't know why you know i I think the main reason it took me so long to start it was that i actually even working in television and and video i didn't own a camera like i had my phone but i didn't have a Mm. good camera i didn't have audio equipment and i think that was the big the big problem so uh when i when i moved in with my girlfriend now my wife and she had a camera i was like oh let me just get some audio stuff. I already got a camera. <laughs> and I've since upgraded the camera. If you look at my old videos, they're not nearly as polished as the ones now. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that was just it. I was like, I don't have a camera. I'll, I'll, I'll get 
get to this eventually. Yeah. So does does your wife now ever say you'll never marry me for my camera? <laughs> <laughs> um, she knows that was a big part of it. Um, <laughs> the, ca- the, re- the, the, ca- the camera officiated our wedding. As I was going to say, it was yeah. probably in the vows. Do you promise to honor, <laughs> obey, and allow filming equipment to be? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what kind of marriage is this? <laughs> kind of thing. But um, why board games then? I mean, why, 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 why tabletop? Because okay, mm-hmm. board game media is board game media is um, is is tricky because it is a very very informative media, mm-hmm. and there's very few people that are kind of doing the stuff that you're kind of doing. Yeah, because I can see there being the kind of the. I mean, I was joking at the beginning with like misdirection and misinterpretation and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But generally, people go to YouTube to learn about kind of the board game side of things. So why why board games and why not just doing something kind of completely different? Sure. Yeah. Well, I guess board games are something that I. I've always really enjoyed this. This channel has definitely thrust me much more into it than I was when I started. Like, if you look at my first videos, they're very, very much entry level, like uh, gateway board mm-hmm. games. Uh, and since then, I've been thrust more into the hobby, and and my passion for it's grown even more. But I think it, it actually is trying to think of another way where you can. I, I I like to think of my channel voice as earnestly lying. Um, and trying to think of other topics where you could earnestly lie was actually like pretty tough to think of because I, I started making my videos and I have another friend who is a director who actively is pitching shows and he he, mm. he liked my videos but realizes there's no way like a, a board game show is going to make it on television. But he liked the idea of earnest lying and was trying to think how could you do this in another <laughs> me- like you like could could this work in a different format? And we were thinking like a cooking show or where I'm like, here's how you make a chicken parmesan, and I just take... It, it doesn't work as well. I, I, I can't think of any other way where this fake world I've created could work other than board games. Like, it wouldn't work. Like, it, it's so obvious with, like, food. Oh, you're not you're not doing... You could do anything with food. There's no, like, constraints or, or anything like that. And I think the inherent constraints in board games are like, okay, this, this piece looks like this so i have to make it work in that way or i have to i have to figure out it's like each one is like a puzzle and i think that's what Mm -hmm. makes it entertaining Mm -hmm. where i could do it with food but it 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 wouldn't have the same challenge it wouldn't have the same draw it wouldn't it loses the believability that someone could be fooled i think part of what's enjoyable at my channel is watching it and realizing like oh man i bet there are people watching this who have no idea it's a joke where I couldn't think of another medium where you'd get that effect where you could actually trick people for the first 30 seconds for the first minute and then they realize it's a joke. Um, yeah. But I also think on the other side of it, there are genuinely people out there who have had that eureka moment when they've been playing a game the fifth or the sixth time and they realize that they've been playing that game completely wrong. That they've mm-hmm. been doing that mechanic completely the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So for somebody to take a game and basically completely play that game wrong, but in a, in a wrong way that makes completely logical sense. Because when somebody makes a mistake in a board game, logically, mm-hmm. that makes complete sense. I'm going to take these two resource tokens... 
because that logically makes sense. And then I realise I should have been paying with something else. Okay, that's fine. But all you've done, all I can see from what you've done, is you've intelligently extrapolated how to play a game incorrectly to the point where it makes a logical kind of <laughs> sense. And that, and that is what makes it kind of like appealing to me because there's a difference with kind of like creating comedy is difficult and that's mm. why I think not many people do board game comedy you can name all the people that do it on kind of like one one clubbed hand basically mm. there's not that many people that are doing it Yeah, and I think it's difficult because it is difficult to take something where a lot of people take kind of very kind of very very seriously but then you do things like say letter jam mm-hmm which is obvious. <laughs> Which is so obvious. But it's like it's taking that level of guts. I mean, was that like a two minute, kind of two second, kind of let's do letter jam and let's just fill the box with jam? Yeah, for those who don't know, I didn't. I, I, in addition to fake tutorials, I also do fake <laughs> unboxing videos. And so I <laughs> unboxed the game Letter Jam, opened the lid, and the whole game was was filled with jam and I treated it as if this was like a premium component. Oh, look, it really it, makes sure the cards don't slip out of your hand. Um, and look, everything, that the, the box doesn't shift around because you got the jam in here holding everything together. It's just, yeah. You've got to watch it. We're gonna. It'll be linked in the show notes. But you've sure. got to. It's like what? It's just a small. It's like a small appetizer. If you kind of get that and you don't laugh or smile, you're officially dead inside and should not. You shouldn't be allowed to play. But it's not. It's just that. It's kind of like the boldness to actually take mm-hmm. such a simple idea and kind of kind of do that. How and that that actually that actually came about. So for my how to play videos, I feel like mm-hmm. I, I, I try to keep it to just the, the biggest games, the ones that everyone knows how to play, that people mm-hmm. are familiar with, so that when you're watching it, it's immediately apparent this is a joke and you have our frame of reference to base it off of. Um, and those videos have done really well for me and I've had board game publishers reach out, hey, do it for, for our game, our brand new game yeah, yeah, that's yeah. coming out that yeah. nobody knows the rules to. And it just isn't as strong for me. So I, I had enough people reaching out to me, asking me to do their games, that I was like, I got to start thinking of different ways that I can incorporate newer stuff. Um, and also just not, not, not only doing it to appease publishers, but also just to expand the channel. For, for a full year, I think I only did how to play videos. And since then, I've expanded to these, these unboxing videos. And my favorite one... I don't know if you've seen any of it. My favorite videos for the channel now have turned into something I never could have planned for. But there are so many marketers from random companies who, I guess their job is to get social media influencers to make <laughs> videos for their product. And all they see is yeah. that I I have a YouTube channel and I've got 12,000 subscribers. And so yeah. people that don't even have to do anything with board games are reaching out to me, not realizing I'm a joke asking me to make to review their product. And so I review their product in a parody way. I had a clothing company reach out to me asking me to try on their <laughs> their clothes for a video. And so I agreed. I found on their website that they had um, inflatable dice for some reason. It's a clothing company, but then I was trying to see if there's anything related to board games. So I found they gave they gave they gave me a hundred dollars to get any clothing I wanted. 
I found they had these inflatable dice on their website, and it was $6 each. So I got like 16 inflatable dice. (laughs) And then the joke was like, oh, but I promised them I'd try this on. So I had to cut all the inflatable dice into a full outfit with a hat and shoes. And then I sent it to them. And then I love seeing their reactions when they realize that Oh, I'm a comedy channel. Um, but I have a bunch of these videos that I didn't even release yet where it's people, like uh, someone from a standing desk company reached out to me. This video is not out yet, but it's a standing <laughs> desk company. And and they they're, they're, the, the email is so funny because it's typical like PR copy and paste. They're like, we recently watched your video uh, about painting minis and we loved it. Not only the content, but the amount of time it takes to edit is really a strain. Uh, we want to send you a standing desk to help with the editing. And what I love about that is they're pretending they watch my video and they picked a video that was basically just one take that involved no editing. So their argument was, was invalid. But so they send me a standing desk and I review it as if it's a board game desk and <laughs> and then i send it to them and they respond they're just like oh sorry we didn't realize and they don't they still they don't want to insult me because everything i present is so deadpan that they still can't tell it's a joke um but those have become my favorite videos just because i never I, i'm not planning them it's just whenever i get an email i always say yes and set, figure out how to shoehorn it into the board it. game world yeah, so I've got a bunch of those coming up that I'm I'm really excited for. <laughs> let's um, let's talk about um, brazen destruction of sure. board game property. <laughs> so I've only done that twice. It's only been Letter Jam and Cloudspire now, where I've I've destroyed, I've destroyed games. Cloudspire, clouds Cloudspire had me doing two things. Mm-hmm. Cloudspire had me going, um, how did you do it? Was it some kind of magic trick? <laughs> it also had me think, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put, I'm not going to spoil the video okay. completely, but I am going to say it is just blatant. Disre- it is kind of like Cloudspire claims to be kind of like hard wearing and indestructible, and you put it to the test. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just was that one of the cases. Did you get sent several copies of the game in order to test it out, or was it just one coffee? And how much fun was it to actually um, to actually make? And secondly, are fried dice really nice to eat? <laughs> um. So that that was Chip Theory did uh, reach out to me about that. So they did send me multiple copies to. So it did make it easier for me on that front. Surprisingly, it was so difficult to actually destroy their pieces. Like, (laughs) I I had to, like, think, like, what can I actually do to destroy a poker chip? Like, how can I? And especially when I'm quarantined in my house, like, I had big ideas. I wanted to, like, drop it off a bridge. Uh, Mm. Even I'm in New York City. I don't have a car. I wanted to to run over the box (laughs) with a car, which did make it into the video. But that, I just got lucky that a friend with a car happened to be coming through. And I was like, hey, listen, this is going to be really weird. This is actually, it was one of my wife's friends. So it's, it makes it even weird. But I was like, I asked my wife, I was like, can you ask your friend while she's got her car here? She mind driving over a board game for me? 
Um, he just turns to you and goes, "Is this the camera thing again, yeah. Jeffrey?" Um, and then I knew I I knew I wanted to to end with with lighting the game on fire, and I was going to go to a friend's backyard with a fire pit, throw it in easy. Now I can't go to a friend's place to do that. So I I was just racking my I just. That was such a perfect ending for the video for me, and I knew I wanted it, and I was trying to think, where in New York City can I just go light something on fire? Like, the backyard in my apartment building is tiny, and if I lit any yeah. fire, it would just be next to some stranger's window. <laughs> and so we have, we have parks with barbecues here, and I was like, all right, like, the parks are open. If I don't go on a weekend, there won't be a lot of people there. So I was yeah, able, yeah. I, I, I went to a park, found the barbecue, was able to stay away from a lot of people. And even lighting the game on fire took took me so long. Like the box just did not want to light. And you don't see it. I had to like throw leaves and sticks inside of it in order to light it. I could not light the game on fire. That's that, amazing. It, so I, I do give give kudos to um, Chip Theory Games because they're, <laughs> it was not easy at all for me to destroy any part of their game. <laughs> How easy is it to get for you to get ideas? I mean, with you being your your job, I'm guessing you're not like you're a quick thinker. And do you, do you do you look at games and get inspiration and then go, I could do this, and then see if you can carry it out? Or I mean, do you have? I mean, let's like the playthrough videos. Mm-hmm. You're saying that you're going to select games that are kind of like everybody knows how to play. Mm-hmm. But are there games that so far you've tried to create a playthrough video and it's just, it doesn't kind of click, it doesn't seem to kind of gel and you've had to put it to one side? And then on the other side, is there ones that you've just picked off the shelf and said, yup, um, you know, Charterstone is a sticker collection game, just <laughs> like you used to do with the American football. <laughs> you know, swap, swap, need, get. Yeah, I want that one. Swap it back, kind of thing. You know, yeah. collect your stickers of your favourite players. Create a team. You know, fight them in the fantasy football league. You know that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So there, there. So far, every game I've set out to do, I've done. There hasn't been any <clears> game I've done. There definitely are ones that are harder to do than others, and ones that I specifically stay away from. If a game has like a lot of text. Like, mm-hmm. it's so hard for me to lie about a piece of text, what that means. Like, I can't, like, so, like, a game like, I don't know, like, like, like Dominion, where, it, like, it, every, it's just cards with text, like, yeah, I would yeah, have to, like, yeah, cover yeah. all, everything. It would be so tough. Um, even, like, e- even when things are super, super specific, it makes me, makes it a little tougher. And I have to, like, I did a video for Small World where... It's like, what am I going to turn an orc into? What am I going to turn a wizard into? Everything is so specific that it's yeah. impossible for me to to, misconstru- to, to misconstrue it believably. Because I, I want I want to do everything. I, I want everything to feel like it's like intelligent and believable, at least in some way, for a good majority of the video. So, like for Small World, I ended up making it a little meta where the game is about people playing a stereotypical board game and they've just finished and the goal is to be the person to put the most pieces back into the box so that allowed me to still like create a whole set of (laughs) fake rules um and and but then it it made it so i wasn't able to oh I, i wasn't like thwarted by the very specific words and photos or and drawings on the pieces because 
anything I would have done other than something meta like that. I, I, I do feel like people were let down by that, where it's like, oh, like he did like a cop out. He didn't really use all the pieces, but there's no way to believably use them all. So it was like the only way I could have went at it. So I, I do stay away from text ones or ones that where it's it's just going to be it's not going to mm. be fun fun for the viewers. Yeah, but on the other side of it, I have heard that Jamie Stegmaier is um, releasing your interpretation of Scythe as an expansion <laughs> in the next run, um, which I think is quite quite exciting. I think what's happened in that is that. He's taken the success of My Little Scythe and having somebody coming in mm-hmm. and interpret his game for a younger audience and said, well, what can I do next? So I've heard he's buzzing about your entire kind of endangered species kind of angle on this. He's uh-huh. excited about the poacher kind of thing. And I, uh-huh. I'm, 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 I've heard words he's going to email you um, sometime in February, November, um, uh-huh. at the end of that month. <laughs> When he's wanting to kind of take this is, take things forward. This is actually a funny story about my my side of video. So a long time ago, I signed up. Uh, Jamie has like a list for press if you want review copies or to make videos. Sign up, uh, and so I signed up a long time ago, and I never heard back from Stonemaier Games. And finally, I got an email a few months ago. Just that's stereotypical form email saying, "Hi, we're looking for people who want to do side. If you would like to." Uh, please uh, buy the game here and have your video out by this date. And so I, I did that. I bought the game. I got it. And, and Jamie in his message says, oh, and email me the link when, when it's done. So I made the video. And that yeah. was just a form e- email. Like it wasn't personalized to me. So I make my video. I sent it to Jamie. Jamie says, thanks a lot. And that, that's does, the only yeah. response. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know who in this industry is aware of me or aware of what I do. And so after I send it to him, I go onto my Twitter and I tweet, here's my, here's my tutorial on Scythe, a game about poachers trying to kill animals in a nature preserve. So I tweet that out. <laughs> I tag Stonemeyer Games. And almost immediately after I tweet it, Stonemeyer Games retweets my tweet. And I'm like, great. Like, it's, it's always great when a publisher's on board with yeah, silly yeah. videos like this. And so, yeah, I was glad to see that. And then within two minutes, they took the tweet down. <laughs> so I was like, they sent me this game. They did not know my channel. They didn't wow. read my tweet when they retweeted it. And then once they realized what it said, they realized, oh, no, we've made a big mistake. Um, so I haven't heard back <laughs> since he emailed me thanks. Or, so uh, I hope I, I try to stay on people's good side. So I hope that they still enjoy it and found the humor on it. But uh, I, I don't know if I'll be receiving any more Stonemeyer game. <laughs> I we'll we'll see we'll yeah. see the the scary thing about um, Jamie is mm-hmm. uh, Jamie's robot from the future. Um, I have proof of this because whenever I email him, regardless, mm-hmm. he gets back to me within five minutes. Wow! Every single time, without fail, without fail, it's like a it's like a kind of could you it's like could you just check this and then straight back? Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. You know, <laughs> very <laughs> affirmative. Affirmative <laughs> with this with a smile, which mm-hmm. is always nice. Um, but you no, know, that's not true, Jamie. Don't kill me. Um, <clears throat> he's you know he's got he's got something going on there. I don't want to mm-hmm. say, but there's definitely something going on there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he just the eyes are aren't smiling when he's smiling. I'm just saying. <laughs> but anyway, 
Beside the point, <laughs> that's not because I've got an ongoing going thing where you know <clears throat> I'm not going to talk about Jamie Stegmar because it scares me and I'll not be able to sleep later <laughs> on. But are there games that you would love to make the? No, that's not the question. We're going to take that back and see because uh-huh. that's an easy question. The more difficult question is: Are there is there a pile of games which you've tried? to make them for which hasn't which hasn't worked mm-hmm. or you know or you just don't want to touch because they're so set in stone that people just they wouldn't get the kind of the funny side of it I don't think so there's there's no game that I wouldn't want to do I guess I mean unless it falls into what we talked about before where it's too text based mm. or, or, or too yeah, yeah, yeah. too yeah. specific um, if it's like a a game that's already comedy based, it's it's tough. Like if it's a game like like too many poops is like a like there's a I don't know much about the game, but like taking a game that's already trying to be funny, yeah, is 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 harder to do because okay, they're already not taking it so seriously. It's not as funny for me to parody a comedy. Like you you never see like people doing parodies of something that's already supposed to be funny. Um, yeah, like so I, I like terraforming Mars. So yeah, I would love yeah. <laughs> um, no, Terra. I would love to do terraforming Mars. Um, that's definitely high up on my list. Um, but yeah, there, there haven't been any that have stumped me. Every single video that I've set out to do, where I get mm-hmm. the game, because I, I I have basically every video, every how to play video I do is voted on my Patreon. So mm-hmm. I never know it's coming until they vote on it. So they vote on it, and then that's when I, I start on the video. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so far there hasn't been any that I've had to abandon, no. So, I mean, kind of going kind of going forward, I mean, is this a long-term thing for you? Are you doing it now because you're excited? Are you, you know, are you at the point where you're kind of, thinking well is there something different I can do this because you said like the playthrough videos mm-hmm. and then there's you know the playthrough videos that you've done and then are you, are you thinking well could I expand it into something else you mentioned the Patreon which to me suggests that you have other ideas and that you've got scope you want to kind of do kind mm-hmm. of other things so is there stuff that we haven't yet unearthed from the dragon's tomb that you're about to unleash on us in a fiery furnace of gold and laughter. I think it is. I mean, whatever mediums I can make fun of in the board game world, I like to do. So, yeah, I started with the tutorials. I have expanded to parody unboxings, um, to parody mm. painting painting mini videos. Uh, some yes. of my favorites, I've done parody board game convention coverage. And what I love, I get everyone in on the jokes for those. So I'm earnestly lying. And then I, I get all the board game publishers mm. that I interview to also lie with me and lie about their games and make up stuff. Um, so those are like my big series right now. And the, the, the product reviews. I, I actually have two mm. kinds of product reviews where I'm reviewing actual board game products. And then I'm reviewing these products that we discussed earlier from marketers who don't realize yeah, yeah. I'm a parody. So that's like two sides of the same series. Um, on top of that, I, 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 I've been expanding into like live events. So, so far at Gen Con and at PAX Unplugged, I've ran my own events where I teach the rules of the game and then we have a tournament to see who's the best at it. Um, and those have been 
great. We had like 30 people at, at Gen Con, and then we sold out at Pax Unplugged. I had like 75 people, and then a waiting, there was like a, an extra line of people waiting to get in, in case like people dropped out. So I was floored that that many people wanted to play my dumb rules. <laughs> um, but I made, uh, I made my own fake board game parody of Cards Against Humanity. I, I made a game, it's called Offensive Adult Party Game. Um, yes. Yes. Um, and it's just <laughs> for those who don't know, it's the same same rules as Cards Against Humanity. Only there's only uh, one. Was it one black card that says I like playing offensive adult party games because? And then it's eighteen identical white cards that all say I lack creativity and enjoy the illusion of being funny. Um, so I loved creating my own. <laughs> parody product that for me like i did the kickstarter and i i didn't like i'm surprised it funded i don't know why people would want an unplayable throwaway joke but they did and so i didn't make it for me it was fun enough just having the kickstarter up as a parody so even thinking like i would love to do another kickstarter um and even if i do it for something that doesn't get made just the idea of doing another parody kickstarter yeah um is fun for me um I'm thinking about uh, writing a book. I don't want to say too much about it, but uh, a board game book <laughs> is, is is something I would. I've already I've already planned out the structure for it, um, but that that's that's in the works. But that's I'm already with a full time job and my Dragon's Den videos. It, it's also hard to get a, a book writing in there. <laughs> I want, but yeah, I want in, in terms of. In, in terms of long-term stuff, like I, I, I am loving this. As long as big board game, I mean, at some point I'm going to run out of classic games to do tutorials for. But as long as there's yeah. like big games coming out every year, it's like an endless mine of of material for me. So as long as I'm having fun, I plan on continuing. Yeah. I want top tens, Jeffrey. Top I want tens? just oh, top yeah, that's, tens yeah, of that's, ran- yep, yep, I want that's, top tens of random stuff. Yep. I want top tens of boxes you can put on your sides and they're fine. Yeah. I you know, I want <laughs> top ten top tens of the best color blues and board games. You know, this is what totally. this is the kind of stuff that, just random stuff because people love these lists yep. so they can quantify their collections. I it mean, this is, is where, this it is, is funny. Those if you look at like other board game channels, the top ten lists are like consistently the most watched videos. Like people see that number ten and they want to click. <laughs> I was gonna do the t- you should just do the top 10 board games with the top 10 numbers in them, yeah. like Seventh Continent, you know, <laughs> and then I, and then I'm stuck. Yeah. But that, you know, that's beside, that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, for people who have listened along tonight mm-hmm. and they want to find you <laughs> and hunt you down sure. for basically destroying that game of cloud spire uh-huh. where do you exist on the internet webs jeffrey so my my home base is youtube if you do a search for the dragon's tomb on youtube mm-hmm. you'll find my channel or if you just do a search how to play your favorite game it's very likely that my video will be one of the top results <laughs> which is, makes me laugh it's ridiculous I, I my video for cards against humanity is consistently one of the top two or three results on youtube and That's i brilliant i love that um, so YouTube is my home base. I'm also on tw- Twitter is the secondary thing. So you search for the Dragon's Tomb on Twitter, um, mm-hmm. or Dragon's Tomb is is my handle because somebody else had the Dragon's Tomb, and they're not even active, so it's really annoying. 
Uh, Scumbags. <laughs> but those are the two two main places. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, but I don't use those as much. But if you if you want to search there, same thing, Dragon's Doom. Excellent. What we'll do is we'll make sure that we take all of these links and we shall put them in the show notes so that we've got notes to show. Um, if you want to find out where we are, just go to Google and search for We're Not Wizards. If you want to listen to the show, go to wearenotwizards.com. If you want to read our articles, which are not funny or entertaining in any way, because um, we decide to set a low bar, you can go to wearenotwizards.co.uk. Or you can catch us on all the podcast catchers, which have got the word pod or the word cast in them, or the ones that are difficult and have got neither, like Spotify or Player FM or there's a whole pile of them that are just insulting to me and if you like what you've listened to then please tell someone else that we exist because we spread like butter I can't say like a virus I used to say that but you can't say that because that's tasteless nope. you know that's not good anymore mm-hmm. um, thank you very very much for coming on the show I thanks really, for having me no, it's been, I it's really been... really really appreciate your time really appreciate your time um, there's only two more things to do Jeffrey before I let you go And the first thing is to remember that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Jeffrey? We're not wizards. That's great. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from the rather wonderful, rather fantastic Jeffrey Kornberg. Say goodbye, Jeffrey. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Stay home, roll sixes, make something awful, and laugh. Laugh a lot at the moment because you'll need it. And if you want any more laughter, if you need a little bit of laughter in your life, a little bit of brevity, get yourself down the dragon's tomb. You will not regret it. But until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. Is he early? He arrives precisely when he means to.